Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The In This League Podcast Network. This is Dynasty Sports Life, a podcast about playing fantasy baseball, basketball, football, and hockey. 365 days a year. Here's your host, Jesse Sevier. Hey there! It is Dynasty Sports Life you're listening to, and I am Jesse Severe. So, welcome to the show. This Dynasty Sports Life is a show where we talk not just about one, not just about two, and sometimes not even just three <laughs> Dynasty Sports, but we cover them all. This time of year, you might be paying attention to the NFL football draft and dreaming ahead to your summer and mini camps and your NFL rookie drafts. You might be just enjoying those first couple of weeks of fantasy baseball, seeing all those prospects that you've studied for months and months show up on MILB.TV so that you can finally see some of the games. Or, hey, who knows, depending on where you are, maybe you're actually going out to a park and seeing some of those guys. In terms of basketball, you could be getting into the NBA playoffs and seeing those guys you've been following all year round who maybe took your basketball teams to a championship do the same for their NBA teams, even as you prepare for the upcoming NBA draft. And if you're hockey, uh, I'm still in a couple of hockey playoffs, uh, ones that I didn't organize because they're going all the way out to the bitter end of the season into NHL silly season. NHL silly season is the least of all silly seasons, but there still is one. And we are concerned with it, but a couple of finals kicking off for me. Uh, every week we talk about a dynasty sport, but some weeks we can't contain it to just one dynasty sport, and that is what we have this week. We'll have a little thing we call the blender, where we're going to have a guest on today, and we're going to talk across four, count them, four dynasty sports. So let's take a break and come back to talk with our guest for today. I am once again to welcome today a guest whose name has been uttered before on this show, but he has not yet been heard on this show. He is a man who I know of is probably more intense about more depth with more different sports in Dynasty than anybody else I know. (laughs) His name is Barry Baker. Barry, how are you doing today? What an introduction, Jesse. It's an honor and a pleasure to be on this massive podcast of yours to be speaking with a, a giant uh, prospect uh, fantasy podcast colossus like yourself. But yeah, an <laughs> honor, an absolute honor, Jesse. Man, I, I you didn't have to say that just because I was saying nice things about you, Barry, but, uh, but oh, I appreciate I it. It's my mannerisms, <laughs> British mannerisms. 
<laughs> well, yeah, we we've talked about Barry. Um, I know both uh, Nate and Kevin, who've been on the podcast, and Philip uh, are together in what I like to call the the Barry Baker League, which is a thirty team baseball dynasty, seventy player per uh, no seventy minor, one hundred player roster per team. Uh, yeah, thirty team contract league with incredibly convoluted. Mo- so we we've talked about. Uh, leagues with you before and and I, I I probably will ask more about that one later but but I, I you know we talk about multiple sports on this show today we'll, we'll allude to all of them um, baseball basketball football and hockey uh, so why don't you tell us Barry how long have you been playing in fantasy sports and dynasty sports what a great question to kick start the podcast Jesse absolutely so are you are you sat down are you ready to listen to a nice little bedtime story? Oh, I'm, I'm, be sitting, I'm sitting, Barry. Right, good. <laughs> so it all started, I believe it was 2015. So what, that's seven years ago now? Maybe, maybe actually 2014. Um, I'm a massive sports fan. So um, I love uh, watching soccer. Uh, as you call soccer, we call football because it's actually played with a foot rather than soccer. I don't know what that is. American football actually should be called handball if you think about it because it's played with the hand not with the foot but anyway that's a tangent touché, that we can go touché. on to another podcast you, <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah i was flicking through the channel sport channels and it, it was an advert break so i was flicking through the channels and i hopped onto espn which i think i just got um just prescribed to and during the break um michael brantley stepped up to the plate i didn't know what the sport was really um i knew it was baseball obviously but i didn't know much about it and michael brantley stepped up um then of uh, the Cleveland indians or guardians as you say now um and he whacked a grand slam into the right upper deck and i guess it kind of started from that i loved the atmosphere i think it must have been a, a kind of a not a world series but it was in the playoffs i reckon um, and yeah, so I, I ventured into it because I already played fantasy um, soccer football back then, but it's like season long. It's not really that as intense as um, it gets for American fantasy sports. And so I ventured into the fantasy realm of baseball. Initially, it was just uh, through the original, you know, the standard MLB website. And I did a season long um, league there. And the, the thing that intrigued me was the draft, the drafting, because with fantasy soccer football, uh, you, you pick a side based on how, uh, the budget that you've got. And most of the people in your, in your league or in the group can choose the same players. But it not obviously, it's not like that with uh, fantasy American sports. So that uh, really intrigued me. So I, that's how I started. Um, and then I was, you know, reading through Reddit, uh, Road to Worlds uh, advertisements and uh, hopped on fan tracks by accident. And um, yeah, dived straight into the deep end of uh, dynasty uh, sports. And yeah, it's never been the same since, basically. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You know, some people just jump on 10-team casual leagues on Yahoo. Barry, you went straight for, for fan tracks. That's a main app for my own heart. Yeah, absolutely. I don't, I don't know why, but it, it kind of intrigued me, I guess. It was just something that I just fell into and uh, never got out of, yeah. So how many different leagues are you playing in and how many different sports are you playing in these days? Oh, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. So uh, initially, uh, it was probably about two, three leagues. Then it kind of spun out of control, <laughs> uh, probably about 20 plus leagues uh, at one stage. And I've dammed it down a bit and it's all dynasty leagues now. And I'm in total of about 18 leagues altogether, all different sports, but 18, um, 18 uh, leagues with pure dynasty all keeper or contract based. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I know I'm in two with you because you're in the Fantasy Hockey Live Dynasty. And then yes. uh, obviously we're in the baseball league together. So, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so I range. Uh, I've got, I think I've, I've wrote some down here um, five baseball leagues, four hockey leagues, two NBA, uh, one, um, well, two actually, four sport leagues, and uh, four C2C leagues. So you do the maths, but it's, it's around 20 oh. leagues. And yeah. And it's uh, the C2C is our IDP as well. So yeah. They're campus to Kent, you're talking about. So it's yeah, college. Exactly that. Oh wow, yeah. John probably Robin my favorite. That is probably my favorite. And if they were, if they were going to do maybe like a C two C for baseball and hockey, imagine that, Jersey. Eh? That would be my dream. <laughs> Being having like minor leagues, uh, just a platform designated for minor leagues, and then you just call them up. Oh, that would be a dream of mine. Maybe we someday talk- I can. Yeah, we talked with Peter Harlan about that a few years ago in hockey because those guys did like an OHL fantasy league. They did a, a really? hockey minors league and and uh, yeah. talked about it on their show all the time. And I was like, I, I asked him when I finally got him on the, the radio, I was like, how the heck did you do that, man? He's like, well, we had to do it all by hand. <laughs> so Yeah, exactly. That, that I, is dedication on another level. That is dedication yeah. on another level. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I talk to the guys at Fantrax, but I'm not sure they'll listen to me on that one. You know, uh, no, no. But do you know? Um, I noticed yesterday. I think um, there was a, someone mentioned it on a group chat that they t- uh, they took away tackles um, for the NCAF um, league. So the football, the you know the campus leagues, they don't they haven't got any tackles categories anymore. So that's a bit disappointing on Fantrax's behalf. But I think they've got a new provider. So that's probably just something to do with that. But yeah, yeah, the it. Those stats come from a provider that they contract with, so those things get kind of mm. convoluted. But if, yeah. if there's something really weird with that, yeah, we we can try to yeah. give them some feedback if that's unknown to them. Mm. Yeah, man. So you've got all those leagues, and when you when you were trying to tell me that a four a four sport league, you, you're counting that as one. I think you got to count that as yes. four personally. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're but, right about uh, that. Actually, just yeah. Good point. Yeah, but how how do you stay on top of all of those at once? I mean, there's so many different streams of information to follow, uh, so many lineups to set on a regular basis. Uh, I mean, I know your pain, but what, what's yes. your what's your method well, of staying on top of that? I like to keep to a routine, Jesse. That's that's my main um, you know pain. I guess it's uh, keeping to routine. So I usually wake up quite early in the morning before work, probably an hour before work of my own choice to put it that way and i go through every lineup set it right in the morning which sometimes doesn't help with people like you know being out of day to day later on in the evening while i'm at work and not able to do my lineups but what i normally do is wake up in the morning check the box scores check the stat lines check if anyone's got injured from my team uh, do the you know il moves um call up send downs just do that all in an hour basically get that over with and then carry on my day that makes sense. It'd answer any DMs and stuff like that, you know. It's, yeah, it's all uh, obviously I have time during the day, but most of the lineup setting is done, in, be, you know, before I head to work. If and by the way, how many strategic result? How many of these leagues are are you doing where you are the commissioner as well? Oh, so obviously I've got the thirty teamer, um, and then I've got two C two Cs that I commission as well, okay. which I just took on last year actually. Because it was during COVID, or maybe now two years ago, actually, when COVID started, I got a bit bored, so I joined C two C league, and I really liked it. So I, I commissioned two C two C leagues now. So in total, three leagues, but they're heavy going. Uh, obviously, the thirty teamer is 
uh, an hour to hour activity rather than a, you know, just to, you know, leave it for a week and then come back to it. It's kind of a all day affair. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Pretty hard going. Between me and all the other guys, I feel like you're getting hit up constantly on that one. So yeah, yeah. For sure. But uh, thankfully, a couple of guys have stepped in this off season, so I really appreciate that from them. Um, yeah, because I, I don't think I would have managed to do the schedule and do the drafts and stuff like that on by myself. To be honest, uh, work's gotten pretty hectic with because uh, obviously I'm in the nursing background, so with COVID and stuff, it's gotten pretty hectic. But uh, yeah, they've helped out, and I'm grateful for that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, so. Obviously, you're a dynasty man, and I, I admire that you've you've got the self discipline to get yourself down to just that format. I, I increasingly try to. I still got some kind of buddies leagues that go back years that are, are difficult to extricate myself from a little bit of redraft in some of the sports. But um, I'm I'm trying now to add nothing but dynasty at this point. But uh, you also alluded to you know in in England uh, some of the traditional. Leagues were more just entirely based on contract of player pools. But uh, do you have preferences between, you know, contract leagues, uh, uh, you know, uh, auction leagues, uh, so re- redraft? I, I, what, what do you, what do you I like? I definitely like full-on dynasty. So full, key, full keeper uh, dynasty uh, that you get to keep year in, year out. I like to be on control of my team. So, you know, if, if I want to, I can trade the player or if I want to, I can drop them or add someone in. So definitely my format is just a full on keeper. Uh, contracts are nice because then it, the strategy comes to it as well, comes into it. Um, you have to think on your feet a bit uh, during the off season, see who, who you're taking a risk on or who you want to um, take a risk on, shall I say. Um, but yeah, head to head is my preference, head to head or points as well. Um, um, the rotor doesn't do it for me. I like the competitive edge with facing people, you know, going into the playoffs, facing each other off, uh, doing the smack, uh, smack talk and stuff like that, you know, that's my bag. I'm with you. You know, it, it, this is an aside, but Barry, lately I've been thinking to myself, man, if I'm going to keep doing so many dynasties and try to be as dedicated as I have to be to each one of them for me to be willing to continue to be a part of a league, I almost am starting to envy these folks in like uh, NFBC and things like that who do weekly lineups all the time, uh, which, you know, I, I get I, I get the thrill of setting the daily lineup, too. But I wonder sometimes whether setting a weekly lineup is only compatible with Roto or whether it could be for head to head. You do any weekly lineup setting, Barry? Um, a couple, I want to say. Yes, uh, a couple, um, which, yes, you say that's probably easier in a way of um you know, setting lineups, not having to change it every other day. Um, but also come, the fun comes into it, choosing players who you want to pick, especially in baseball where you've got four, you know, 10 plus games every day and you've got 20 players to choose from. And when you hit on that, you know, you pick, uh, say, Donovan Solano and you put him in that lineup for one day and that one day he hits a home run and goes for uh, four for four. four. You, you know, that's a special feeling, especially in a, uh, a, you know, um, a 30 teamer. When you choose uh, an odd player to, you know, I'm going to choose him now to risk, risk it with him and he comes off. Yeah, it definitely is a great feeling. But I absolutely agree with you with the weekly ones as well. So you have to have a balance, I guess. But uh, yeah, I prefer the daily li- daily lineups. Well, and for sure, in, in a 30-team league with 100-player t- uh, rosters on the teams, uh, Donovan Solano is like an all-star, man. Don't don't downplay Donovan Solano. Oh, yes. He's an auto-star. Oh, no, no. <laughs> he'll be in the Hall of Fame when it all said and done. 
that's that's how it goes and that kind of thing, man. Uh, I hope everybody gets a chance Absolutely. to do something like that. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, for strategies, I, I mean, Barry, I, I'll, I'll put it out there. I play with you in multiple leagues, and I know you love the prospects, right? I mean, that that's kind yes. of your strategic thing. Is that what brings you enjoyment playing fantasy is trying to find that next guy? 100%, Jesse, 100%. So I like to rebuild from the bottom up. And sometimes it's nice to draft uh, like that as well. Um, yeah, you know, have to be, you have to be dedicated to the cause. Otherwise, don't bother. I say uh, you have to you have to be in it for the long haul because uh, it will be tiring. It will uh, it will you know it it will weigh heavy upon you when you lose every single game like I'm actually at the moment. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I try and keep hold of the players that I draft because then it you know brings you a sense of um, joy when they hit. Uh, obviously, ma- majority of them won't hit. Let's put. Let's be fair. The majority of them won't hit. But when they hit, oh, that, the feeling you get from that is like none other. It really is, Jesse. Yeah, I mean, I I think there's all sorts of different ways to play fantasy, and and I really I feel that in your game is that um, there's nothing that thrills you the same way as seeing one of these guys come through, and um, basically almost everybody uh, who. You champion, I feel like, Barry, you are not jumping on a bandwagon. You are usually in very early on these guys. Yeah, and I'm usually on my own, which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> but, you know, I like to I like to follow the journey through the minor leagues because, uh, you know, you, you very well know, Jesse, that I do my own uh, box score reports uh, on a daily basis in the prospect uh, one room. Um, and it's definitely a fun thing to check the box scores in the morning and see, oh, he did well. He didn't do so well. And, you, you know, just follow the progress. For me, it's fun. I mean, majority of people wouldn't like that approach, but uh, I, I usually find great pleasure in, in you know, tracking their progress throughout the minor leagues, all the way from DSL, all the way up to the AAA, even majors, uh, hopefully one stage. Yeah, and Barry's talking about the In This League group me stuff, if you belong to the In This League uh, Patreon of course, we are an in this league podcast, so um, you can you can get in on that if you, if you're feeling like it. And yeah, most mornings in the summer when I wake up uh, and I look in the group, me Barry has has reported thoroughly on the guys who had good batting lines and good pitching lines in places like the KBO or various levels of the minors. Of course, you have the advantage; it's six hours ahead for you, so it's already afternoon by the time I'm reading these things. <laughs> but it's, oh yeah, it's I get the, I get the heads up exactly. But you know, the, the other thing is, I like getting prepared for drafts, rookie drafts in particular. So I guess that's where my love of prospects comes from as well. Just you know, getting the heads up as well. You know, getting the leg up on the competition, but also um, the rookie drafts. When it comes to them, you can, you know you kind of know your way around who to pick, who you like and who you don't like, who you're targeting, who might slip that you might like. You know, it's, it all comes into it. But I definitely like, um, you know, looking at the prospects and seeing where they fall come rookie time, a rookie draft time. Well, and we've mentioned that, I think, in various sports before on this show is a lot of people just kind of want to grab a list of prospects when the rookie draft comes along. And I, I think... You're making a mistake the same way that, you know, years ago, if you were playing a redraft league against your buddies back in you know 2003, you'd go and grab an, a magazine on the way to the draft and just draft out of ranks and that. Well, you're you're kind of missing the point. First of all, you're missing the fun. But second of all, you, you're not going to perform as well as if you actually take some time to become familiar with some of these players beforehand. 
Yes, absolutely. And I, I wish those times when the magazines were available would come back. No, you know, not having everything <laughs> online, but just the magazines. I'd love that. I'd love that. But yeah, everything's online nowadays. You go on YouTube, you can, you know, see any clips you want. You go on Twitter, you go on Instagram. It's all there for you. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, it's, it is it is uh, possible to find some of these things. Yeah, I well, I got to ask you that, though. Um, transition to that question is when you're in this sort of deep prospect scouting and and again, you're doing this in four or five different sports. Um, Where are you researching these things? Are you looking at Instagram feeds and uh, are you looking at Reddit threads? What, where are you going to get information on some of these prospects about which there's very little public information? Oh yeah, Jesse. Do you know what? Just to tell you, I've already got a list. I've got five notes created NHL prospects, NCAB prospects, NCAF prospects, uh, MLB <laughs> and NBA prospects. So uh, I think I've got them all the way up to two, t- uh, 2025, actually. And the majority of the information I get is, like you said, internet. So YouTube clips. I've got a couple of um, Dominican uh, sources that I follow on YouTube. You've got internet. You've got uh, Twitter, uh, where you've got Ben Badler, and you've got type names into uh, the Twitter search and they, they pop up with all sorts of information. You've got Instagram where you can follow the players and the progress and um, other, you know, the, the academies as well and their agencies. So it's just a bit of um, everything, really. You just have to, you have to search everywhere for any little content you can get, really. But it's becoming more prominent, I feel like, with Ben Badler, you know, um, and with the fact that people like um, Juan Soto, Ronald Acuna are coming through more and more from, uh, from the you know Dominican Republic, uh, Cuba, Luis Robert and stuff like that. It's, it's more prominent nowadays than it used to be, I reckon, when I started in 2017-16. Yeah. So for those of you listening who maybe don't do baseball quite the same way that we are, uh, do, prospects from the Dominican Republic, from Venezuela, from Latin America can sign at, as early as age 16, and they generally do in this sort of blind uh, international signing period where each team has a certain amount of money. But up until now, there's been all this cloak and dagger. You don't know who is playing for who. And uh, most of these guys aren't playing games that are on video. And you're sort of reading various scouts and things like that. And uh, sometimes now, it even frustrates me now. A couple of years ago, I, I could get in the Instagram and look at you know Victor Acosta and how he was playing, and and I was really impressed by his workout stuff. And it seems like his his prospect uh, pedigree has gone up, or his his prospect value relative to uh, where I see other people value has has gone up since his signing, where he was seemingly pretty anonymous. And all I know is, dude was out there grinding every day when I was looking at his Instagram. <laughs> and so he seemed yeah. like a better bet than some of these other guys. But um, you know, it's it's hard. Some of their Instagrams now are closed. Uh, but just so many of these guys, all, all you can find is Ben Badler. And if you're lucky, in addition to a price tag of how much they signed the guy for, you'll see like one line of, oh, he looks like a good young shortstop. You know, I mean, what? Uh, it, it's yes. very difficult. Uh, yeah, it, sometimes, sometimes you have to take a chance, you know, you, especially these deeper leagues. You just, you just go for um, the names and just hope that one of them works out sometimes. But I feel like it's difficult now, more harder to... Um, you know, it, it, I'm talking about deep, deep peaks here. But when you're when you're bidding on the IFAs, it, people bid you up because they feel like you know something, or they they might know something now as well. It, back in you know five years ago, 
you'd have Soto for what uh, a penny on the dollar, if that. Mm. <laughs> you know, you'd get him on the very, very cheap. But I feel like nowadays, it's uh, people bid you up constantly, and uh, they're more aware, I guess, of the success that they've had. So they don't want to miss out on the next best thing. And that's how I see it. It's, it's becoming more difficult to draft the under the radar international prospects when they used to be. Yeah, it it used to well. Uh, a lot of people out there probably have like a first year player draft that combines MLB draft, Rule Four draft guys with international free agents, and maybe even the Seiya Suzuki's of the world who are a completely different group. But what we do in our league is we have completely separate mechanism for bringing the two in. You have a draft of the draft guys, and then we each get a budget to bid on IFAs, just like they do in uh, international free agents, like they do in MLB. So it's this convoluted system where I think a, there's a proportion of the guys who have put in a lot of time and research and tried to find some of the best players and some other guys who are like, well, I got the same money as them. And as soon as I see that Barry has put up a bid, I'm going to bid him up because <laughs> he's probably bidding on somebody. Yes. That probably means that's somebody I want. Yeah, it's, it's got its faults, I guess. But I'm not uh, 100% right. So I'm not even 10% right most of the time. But yeah, that's uh, become quite annoying. But even with uh, mixed drafts, I feel like, well, I've noticed it with in my leagues that uh, the international prospects do get drafted higher than before with, uh, you know, uh, Luciano's and the Rimates, uh, Julio Rodriguez, all those players coming through. I feel like, the you know, it's more more prominent and the people, yeah, people really want to take a chance. And, you know, there's a high risk, high reward type of situation where they don't want to miss out on the next Acuna, which is fair enough. But it didn't used to. I don't I don't think it used to be that way. Anyway. Yeah, I think there's a cyclical nature to that a little bit too. But uh, when you're living in an area where Soto and Acuna and mm. Vlad Guerrero Jr. and all these guys, I mean, I, I was saying this the other week, like, uh, what was it, like five of the top six guys in Dynasty, you could argue, came out of this uh, out of this mechanism to come into the MLB. Mm. So why wouldn't you? The problem is, is that the information is so sparse for these guys compared to mm -hmm. what you can see about guys coming to the MLB draft. And even though the MLB draft isn't covered anything like the NBA draft or the NFL draft for my money in terms of how much information you get and how close to correct it is, uh, you get you get so much more data, at least, on MLB draftees than you do on international free agents in MLB. Yeah, so I don't know what they're going to do about the draft situation with international free agency. Are they going to pull it, put, put, you know, it, it, that was the holdup with all the bargaining agreements, wasn't it? So it'll be interesting to see whether they agree to it or whether they, they stick with the signing periods that they do at the moment. So we shall see, Jesse. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to keep an eye on that because, yeah, like you said, it, the, the information is very sparse on the, the lower ends of the prospects. You've got the top 50 or the top 30 that usually get posted by MLB or Ben Badler. But Apart from that, you don't get much information out there. You just have to dig deep, uh, dig through the dig through the archives, so to speak, um, and try and get the next uh, Soto from somewhere. But it's, hard. Right. It's, it's definitely hard, and it's like um, sifting through a needle in haystacks. But yeah, absolutely, it's it's a challenge. Right, and and like like I like to say too is you know MLBs like this is so complex. You know we've got sixteen year olds over here getting signed, and it's a whole different approach and all this. And 
hockey uh, scouts are just looking at baseball and laughing and saying, oh, you guys are cute. You think it's real difficult to have like two two different <laughs> yeah. sets of uh, player pools uh, since yeah. they got pro leagues everywhere. They should take a leaf out of their book, shouldn't they? Exactly. They should, <laughs> they should look at the NHL. Well, they won't. Yeah, they won't. Rob Manfred. Yeah. It's it's uh it it's a complex problem. It's a complex problem, and especially when yeah. Well, anyway, I mean it's it's a deep thing. We could talk about the MLB draft and international free agency. Hopefully, it will get resolved in a somewhat satisfactory thing. But it's a thornier problem than a lot of people. Yeah, we don't want to put, put people to sleep. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so. You follow some YouTubers. Uh, I know that uh, you talk to various people at points and ask questions. Every once in a while, I'll wake up and Barry will have asked me about like the 350th best hockey prospect in Czechoslovakia or something like that and, and what I think of him and wh- whether he's better than the 350th first best. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> sometimes we all wake up to these, but, um, yeah. So, so, um, it sounds like you do have some good mechanisms and people to follow on, um, baseball. What about, uh, in the other sports, you have some, some go-to resources that people could make use of in their own scouting. Well, Jesse, funny you should say, I've, I listen to your uh, fantasy hockey podcast, which I get all my information from, uh, Hockey Based, um, which is uh, definitely a must listen. If anyone that's out there listening to this podcast, listen to ho- um, Jesse's and Victor's uh, hockey podcast. It's a, it's a must uh, for me. I always listen to every every week that it comes out. It's a really good one. Um, but yeah, po- I listen to podcasts. I pick people's minds. You've, you you had Craig Bozich on. Uh, he's a no, you know. He he really knows his um, basketball inside out. I say I usually pick his brains. It's just about you know finding information from other sources and you know getting in the DMs, asking people, um, and yeah, basically podcasts. I, I listen to a lot of podcasts as well, uh, fantasy based, um, you know, pro- prospect based podcasts, NHL podcasts, NBA podcasts. You've got Chad Ford's NBA there as well. Um, so yeah, just trying to get in as much as information as possible from the right people, and you got to know the right people. But definitely starting um, if, with your podcast, Jesse Hockey Base, is definitely a good one to to start with. Well, we uh, thank you very much. Yeah, we we kind of have uh, filled a market hole in terms of a, a pure dynasty based uh, podcast for hockey. Um, we have that going. There's a there's a couple of great. Uh, prospect-related ones specifically, but I think uh, soup to nuts. Um, Victor and I really enjoy it, so I appreciate the plug. Um, so y- you definitely are talking to experts. You're definitely consuming some audio content and stuff out there. Um, do you do any scouting yourself? Any any video type uh, trying to break down stuff or or have experience with uh, uh, knowing what kind of attributes you're looking for in prospects? So I wish I could uh, scout and analyze as well as the other guys are, but due to my job and, you know, I, I follow I follow all the right people to get the analysis from. So I'm a kind of a secondhand kind of man. I get my information from people rather than getting it from myself. Obviously, when I, I see a clip of a person, I try to delve deeper into um, into them. See what uh, see what the you know what the stat line is. See what other people like about them. So if someone says you know if someone with 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 um, what's the word um, like uh, you know the Welsh or Nate or Craig, someone that's got um, gay, uh, skin in the game. Um, when they mention a name, I usually go and find my own research and have a look to see if I, if I should get in there as well. So it, mostly secondhand information and analysis, but uh, 
I don't. I'm not afraid to get in there amongst it as well um, and do my own analysis. I like, you know, I like I like my types of players. Um, usually baseball wise, I like uh, people that um, when we're talking hitters, uh, more walking than striking out. So if we've got high walk rates, I like that. Uh, that usually bodes well into um, when they go to the higher um, levels of the minor leagues. Uh, pitchers wise, I like. Uh, low low uh, walk rate as well it doesn't really matter what the uh, k numbers are but as long as they've got a good walk rate i usually like to uh, you know side to, uh, to those types of players and uh, high risk high reward is my go-to so um with hockey uh, baseball uh, basketball and football i like to go for the for the riskier options as well so you guys like i don't know um, let's st- let's stick a name out there uh, baseball wise salui matias from uh, the royals he he's a swing for the fence type of guy. His strike rate is through the roof, but if it all breaks well, he might he might be an all star. So I try and go for the high high um, high risk high reward type of players. Um, uh, when when go when in fantasy, that's for sure. I like that because there's kind of two things to that. One of them is I like that you have a consistent philosophy, so that you kind of have a way to evaluate guys. I mean. Uh, one way or the other, y- you need to decide how you want to approach things and kind of something to be able to compare. But, you know, I-, I think a lot of the times, a lot of people listening to this show, in fact, probably almost everybody listening to this show is consuming a lot of content from people who have dug way deep down in a sport and they have great expertise in a sport. Um, I mean, Craig is, you know, a wonderful guest. And one of the reasons is, that dude can do that in at least two sports, baseball and basketball. He gets way down into the weeds and, and he's a genius with mm, that. Absolutely. Um, but, but very few people can do that. And so to play in multi-sport dynasties, maybe you can get a real, real deep expertise in scouting one sport. If that's something that you dedicate a lot of your time to, uh, by the way, it's probably going to make it difficult for you to be very good in multiple different dynasty sports <laughs> unless you just have an mm. insane amount of time. So you have to figure out, like you and me, I think are similar in the sense of we understand that we are more secondary consumers of this information. And how are we going to assimilate that? How am I going to figure out what to do with, you know, Raphael Barlow and Chad, uh, uh, exactly. on Chad Lowe's, in, if Chad Ford's NBA big board um, and, you know, Craig's content that uh, hopefully we'll get out there more and more. And, you know, the Welsh and all this. How are you going to consume all this and then figure out a way? to actually make your decisions of what value prospects have in these different sports. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, Jesse, this is it. So you, you have to, exactly, you have to use the information that's around you because otherwise, um, well, I feel like it's, it's you, you should use other people's knowledge and information and try and garner some, you know, your own opinion based around the opinions of others. And that's how I play with prospects and uh, fantasy sports and it's done me well in a few sports and like you said you, you can't be good in all four of them uh, all four major sports but um yeah it's definitely the way i i do i do things yeah for sure and and to be clear i don't think you know i i don't want to be out here and just repeat whatever you know uh the welsh says and then pass myself off as a scouting expert because i can repeat the things the welsh says i, I but i think as a player you need to know 
um, who to listen to, what to do with it, and then combine the observations of your own. Anyway, I think we're on the same page here. But uh, uh, Barry, I think we've we've done some strategic talk. We need to take a break, man, because I need to hear about some Barry Baker guys for 2022. So let's take a brief break and come back with those. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Things are going great. And they're only getting better. All right, Barry, um, you are the only person so far on this show who I've asked to queue up a couple of prospects in four different sports that you like. <laughs> Let's see how this goes, man. Um, I, I appreciate it. But these are guys I know you you suggested that you have some interest in. Um, so I'll, I'll sort of uh, set you up. Uh, first of all, uh, let's talk baseball. Uh, a pitcher for the LA Dodgers in the uh, the ACL, the very unfortunately named Arizona Complex League, which is rookie ball, 20-year-old from Cuba, Osveni Gutierrez. Tell us about Mr. Oh, Gutierrez yeah. and what uh, interests you about his game. Well, first of all, he's in the Dodgers system. Um, I, I like to also, I, I haven't mentioned that yet, but it, seeing what teams people are on. So, you know, you've got the Astros, you've got the Dodgers, you've got the Rays. They're good at, uh, you know, molding pitchers. So the, the thing I liked about him is that he throws plenty of strikes. So he had a very, he quite he had a quite a good strike rate in the ACL. He's quite la- lanky as well, but he's very raw. So that, is, I guess, is a downside of him. But uh, like I said earlier, high risk, high reward type of pitches. With the Dodgers system, I feel like they they can hone in that the the good things that he's got. So he's got a a good change uh, with even more room to improve. I feel like he's also got a good fastball, uh, low low nineties at present. But he can, he's got a projectable you know frame with him being I believe a six foot six or so. Um, don't quote me on that, but he is very tall. Um, so I feel like that, that fastball can go even higher than the low 90s that he's at the moment. Um, I feel he hasn't um, he hasn't reported too low A at the moment. So I've, I, he might restart an ACL and see how he goes. But I feel like he might be someone to, uh, worth watching and picking up in deeper leagues um, just from what he has shown so far. Yeah, from looking at some of it, it looks like he was pitching some in relief last year. Is he projecting as a starting pitcher for you? I think so. I think so. But I, they, they do that with a lot of pitchers, I've noted, um, the Dodgers do. Um, they start them in the relief um, sometimes, and then they put them in the rotation. So it'll be worth watching. Uh, but anyway, it, the, 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 the stuff he's got at the moment, I feel like he could play in both the, the relief and starting. But yeah, it'll be worth watching to see how how well he progresses this year. I feel like he's got some you know some room to improve. Definitely some more room to improve than he's already shown. So yeah, he's one to watch for me. All right, so Osvani Gutierrez, a pitcher for the Dodgers. Let's now move to a guy who I know I've heard you talk about before, and that is a Colorado Rocky shortstop, nineteen-year-old, signed for the Dominican Republic in two thousand nineteen, Warming Bernabel. 
I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Down in <laughs> Fresno, name, it's a eh? Fresno Grilly. Tell us about Mr. Yes. Bernabel. Oh yeah, he's great. Uh, so I noted uh, him when he initially signed with the Rockies. Um, back then, he didn't have the frame he's got at the moment, so he's much more filled out uh, at the plate uh, from what I've seen from the pictures and from the videos that, that they've shot at Fresno so far early this year. Um, he does like to swing for the fences, so that is a downside from him. I think what I've got here is um, he's a type of, he's in the territory of uh, Mondesi, uh, Alberto Mondesi, uh, about 40% uh, swinging outside of the, the zone. So it's a bit worrying. Uh, but I feel like with his with his frame um, getting better and bigger, uh, he might hone into that power of his. So I feel like he would be more in um, he'll be more better in terms of hitting for power than for average. But I feel like with the, the Rockies' development isn't always great, so you have to be wary of that. But with how well Ezekiel Tovar has progressed. I feel like there's something that that can be got out there. I feel like with Amador, Ado Amador, my my other boy, that's another uh, guy that I'm big on. Uh, I feel like Burnable's got um got some ceiling in him with um, you know maturity and being able to fill out the bigger frame. So I feel like he can hone into some more power. I think he's already hit a home run already, and he's hit a few doubles early on in the season. So just watch out for him. He's a, he's very young as well. I think he's in the nineteen as well. I think he was born in two thousand three, two thousand two. So he's very young for for the level. And um, it'll be interesting to see how he progresses. But if he can hone in in that plate discipline and um, build on that frame of his, I feel like there's some some good things to come from him. Yeah, you inspired me to look at some Fresno Grizzlies box scores on this one, Barry. And Amador and Bernabel are both on that roster right now. Mm. Well, there, there's a few people on the on that roster that intrigue me. Um, Juan Guerrero as well is on there, and Yankiel Fernandez. That's a couple that are, are catching my eye as well. So, uh, yeah, the Fresno Grizzlies roster is is a good one to follow. Very very young players on there. Um, yeah, plenty of prom- promise on that Rockies minor league roster. Yeah, well, we'll see. Hopefully, those Rockies will get something right here. That's been a it's been a rough couple of years. Yeah, it's, it's been a long time. Exactly, it's been a long time coming. <laughs> So in, in the four different sports, just, just to set this up for expectations, in baseball, we've got this wonderful wide open spot between when teams acquire players and when they get to the majors. And uh, I think people understand that. Basketball ain't quite the same. We're going to talk about a couple of guys who are on pro rosters and have played this year, but uh, the very top prospects generally break right into relevance right away. Uh, these two guys are a, a little further out. They were not fantasy relevant this year anyway, but they played NBA games. Uh, but uh, as, uh, as again, our buddy Craig has pointed out, don't write guys up just for, for that. Uh, starting with a, a Toronto Raptor, Delano Banton, he is a guard. He got into 64 games this year for Toronto, but only played 11 Impressive. minutes a game. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. He, he barely got in, in the games he got in, yeah. and his production was minimal. But he did play 11 games in the G League, the minor league for NBA, and he averaged 26-9 and nine down in the G League this year. So what is interesting to you about Delano Banton for the Toronto Raptors, and uh, what do you think that uh, fantasy managers could get here if they got Banton on their squad now? 
Well, I have to uh, emphasise that this is for deeper leagues only, I reckon. Uh, oh, if things break right, it might be not. But uh, Delano Banson, so the team he's on, exactly, it's the same theme. So the team he's on, Toronto, uh, Toronto Raptors, I like what they're doing with the young guys that they have. You've got Nick Nurse, which I've spoken to Craig about, and he, he you know, he's got a philosophy of drafting or signing players that got a huge wingspan, like to have defence as a staple and then move, you know, work on the offense as they, as they progress. And I feel like Dan uh, Banton's got that in abundance. He showed flashes with the Raptors when he's been up, uh, like you said, 64 games, but he's been playing here or there 10 to 15 minutes or uh, five to 10 minutes. Sorry. Um, but in the G league, he, he was, he was really solid. I feel like there is a rotation player in there. Um, you've got guys like uh, Scotty Barnes and Aobi Siakam, I think he can be a good guard to build around. He's got a massive wingspan. He's very tall. He does know how to pass the ball around. Um, and he does play some defence and offence. Um, I feel like there might be a, a rotation player in there, possibly. Um, you know, ranging in the 15 to 20 minute range at a ceiling. But um, he has showed glimpses. And I feel like uh, they could have another second round steal on their hands, the Raptors. Uh, he probably should play more next year, but it'll be interesting to see how he develops. I feel like he will play in the summer league just to develop his offense and defense. But um, the build is there, the physical ability, the, the athleticness, uh, the athleticism is there. So we, we shall see. But uh, yeah, I do like his, his upside uh, in the deeper league. So grab him while you can, I say. Yeah, our show hasn't been through a full year league cycle, but if you have not traditionally followed the NBA and are not aware what the summer league is for NBA, just assume that we're going to have one to two complete freak out episodes about the summer league. Um, <laughs> hopefully, Mr. Bant will be a part of those. Uh, uh, book it, 40 points a game, 40 point game for him <laughs> in one game at least. 40-point ban in the Summer League this year. All right, I love it. Uh, another guy was on people's lips a lot this time last year. Usman Garuba is power forward for the Houston Rockets, 20 years old, drafted last year out of Spain at number 23 overall. Didn't play that much for the Rockets this year. Only 24 games at 10 minutes per game. Uh, did not get much time there. Started 10 games down in the G League's Rio Grande Valley for the Rockets, where he averaged 9-9 nine and nine plus 1.8 steals, 1.2 blocks. Kind of a defensive uh, type of archetype coming into the NBA. But tell us what you know about Usman Garuba and why you would take a chance on him in a dynasty league. Uh, so as you've mentioned already, Jesse, uh, he's a defense-first or defense-first uh, player. So I'm... Um, kind of hedging towards Roto and head-to-head categories with the, with this one. Uh, so Usman Garuba, he, he dropped, got drafted quite late. I know in the mock drafts and draft boards, he was, uh, you know, in the teens. Um, so, and the Rockets did well in the draft. So I feel like Jalen Green will be a, an all-star um, probably in a year or two, uh, as soon as a year or two. Josh Christopher was a real good pick. In, in the 18, I think they drafted him 18, which was, he's showed glimpses as well in the NBA already. Uh, you've got Alperin Shangun, who looks like a star. Um, and then Usman Garuba, who's probably the, the worst of the lot. I, I use quotation marks, the worst. Uh, yeah, they've got an embarrassment of riches. But Usman Garuba, um, he was injured. He has been injured a couple of times this season, so which hasn't helped his development. But I feel if he's got um, a full year under his belt, 
whether it is in the Rockets rotation or down in the G League. I feel like he can develop into a, a, a defensive first um, player. But he should get good minutes, I, I feel like, next year. Um, and can get good, plenty of steals, plenty of blocks, plenty of boards. Um, and again, hoping that his offense builds, uh, you know, um, in a year or so that he's got to develop. So just hoping that the injuries don't hamper him too much, because he's already, you know, he's already been injured a couple of times this year. But yeah, he's got, he's he's massive, uh, he's huge. Um, so yeah, the the blocks will come, the 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 boards will come. It's just a matter of this land in the basket basically which is probably the the most important thing for him to make it as an nba caliber player but I, I feel like he he might get there it will be interesting to follow his development but someone that to keep an eye on as well all right uzman garuba of the houston rockets Let's talk about another guy who has not been drafted in the NBA draft to date. Ibu Baji, if I'm saying it right, is a 19-year-old center over in FC Barcelona. He's played minimal limits at the top level, but the way they do things in Europe is there are multiple tiers. So he's been playing with the third-tier affiliate LEB Plata. Uh, you know, not a whole lot of deep information about this guy, but what attracts you to Mr. Baji? And do you believe that he's going to be able to come over and make uh, a difference for a fantasy manager in an NBA fantasy league? Well, Jesse, he's the a guy that was mentioned on a Rafael Barlow's podcast, I think a few months back. And, uh, I, you know, it, with the way he was talking about him, um, I had to research him. And what he has got is excellent physical tools. So he's, a, he's athletic. He's a pure athlete. He's got a wingspan of nearly eight feet <laughs> and a, um, a standing reach of uh, nearly 10 feet. So he's an absolute colossus. He's a massive human being, super freakish athlete, um, raw, very raw, and still very unpolished. So whether he gets drafted in this year's draft or does he, does he go on to next year's draft, I'm not quite sure where he'll go. But it'll be it'll be interesting to see what team tries to take a risk on him because he's a you know he's the type of player that I like high risk high reward still plenty of him to, to he has to work on to make it into the NBA but he's got all the basics all the fundamentals there to be a you know a, a star player um, so yeah something that someone that I will be probably drafting if he does get drafted I'll be drafting in my leagues trying to take a risk on him and see if it pans out. Very good. Well, now let's move on to football. And I see you're in campus to Canton mode here because we're going to go down to the great state of Alabama to talk about a couple of college players. Uh, First of all, Jameer Gibbs, who is only recently a guy who's in Alabama. He is a running back who transferred from Georgia Tech to Alabama this year. Very good kick returner and RB over in the ACC will be a redshirt sophomore for the powerhouse Alabama uh, Crimson Tide. Tell us about Jameer Gibbs and why you're on him for football. Well, to be honest, Jesse, I struggle with the football one only because, like you said, there's a lot of information about all the rookies out there. Uh, NFL and NCAF, are, you know, the coverage is um, nationwide in America. So most of the people know, know these players. So Jameer Gibbs, he's a top running back who will probably be drafted as the number one running back next year, I would think, or maybe number two behind Bijan Robinson. But I feel like with him transferring to uh, Alabama, um, that's going to help him 
push up his draft stock come April next year. Um, he's a good receiver um, as well as a good running back. So that usually plays in the NFL. Um, he showed glimpses of what he can produce in Georgia, uh, Georgia State. Georgia Tech, sorry, Georgia Tech um, football program. And I feel like working under Nick Saban, playing under him, will do him good in his in the long term. And I feel like he'll be a, a high draft pick. So um, I, I doubt you can get him on the on the bio, on the low um, in, in in campus to uh, Canton Leagues. But he's someone that I'll be definitely trading picks for come um rookie drafts next year uh, he's a he's a player that will be a probably a, a high caliber running back um, probably in the in the ilk of uh, swift or acres in that that type of um, you know tier definitely definitely someone to monitor yeah for sure i i think his production was such last year that he certainly was on the minds of college football fantasy players and of course when you enter the transfer portal and you show up on alabama your draft stock may well go through the roof. But if you haven't started scouting prospects for college football this year, somebody who certainly you will want to know about. And the other side of Alabama, another running back uh, who's coming back to the Auburn Tigers this year, had 1,099 rushing yards and 10 touchdowns in his sophomore year. So again, like Gibbs, not draft eligible in the 22-2 draft. Uh, This is Tank Bigsby. So any read on Tank Bigsby and what interests you from a fantasy perspective? The one thing that interests me about Tank is that the, the, the ability that you can buy low on him if you want C2C leagues right now, I think. His, his last year wasn't that great. And I think he lost some touches to the second uh, running back, which uh, the name escapes me. And now I think it was Hunter. Um, Jack, Jack is Hunter, I think it was. Possibly. Don't quote me on that. But... He wasn't uh, that good uh, last year. And I feel like come next year, it all depends on how he bounces back from it. But purely based on this uh, last year and this offseason, I feel like there's a good uh, buy-low option on him if you're on C2C leagues. Um, He's an athletic uh, specimen as well. Um, The photos, the videos you see of him, he's a a man-mountain. And I feel like he he would do well in, in the NFL. Definitely, when the time comes, um, but probably not in the same tier as Gibbs, but someone to definitely um, try and buy low on, um, and yeah, I'll be I'll be targeting him with my um, draft picks and trades uh, this off season as well. Let's move into hockey, and we're going to spend a little bit of time in the Canadian Hockey League. For those of you not knowledgeable about hockey, the next three guys we're going to talk about are going to be players eligible for the 2022 NHL Draft. And first, we have Jagger Furcus, who, uh, again, one of the most awesome names in the draft, and we've been talking about him lately on Fantasy Hockey Life. Uh, forward for the Moose Jaw Warriors, and he's rated by kind of consensus as about a top 40 prospect. 17-year-old, 5'10", 154 pounds, soaking wet, 80 points in 66 games this year out in the Western Hockey League. What interests you about Jager Furcus at this point? Well, well, to be honest with you, Jesse, I made this list to pick your brains, but J- uh, <laughs> Jager Furcus... It's a type of player, high risk, high reward. I know you had Joel, uh, Joel Henderson, is it? Uh, one, one yeah. Of, on one of your podcasts. And he was really high on him. 
and he made me look him up. Um, and yeah, like you said, he's got a massive shot on him. Uh, he's quite small, uh, but sprightly. Um, he he can be a high risk, high reward type of player. And I don't think he'll be going that early on, as some people say. So I feel like he will get a bargain on him if he does fall into the second round or late first. Yeah, I think uh, that's kind of the book on this guy is uh, I know Victor, my partner, I'm naked trying to give you hockey opinions without Victor here, by the way. But uh, yeah, for sure. And he was on uh, Peter Harlan's show, uh, Dauber Prospects uh, and he Dauber Prospects Radio. And Victor was talking about his top picks or his top rankings for 2022 NHL draft. And he had. Jacob Perkis way above where he is projected to go in the real NFL draft. Uh, another guy for the NHL draft this year from the OHL's Saginaw spirit, Pavel Minchukov. He's a Russian, but he plays in Canada. 6'1 defenseman, 18-year-old. He's kind of thought of as probably a top 20 pick in this draft. Of course, it's always questionable with the defensemen. Defensemen aren't going to put up the numbers. Sometimes their role is not going to lend itself to a whole lot of stats. Uh, but what interests you about Mr. Minchikov? Well, the, the the other guy is Denton Matochuk. I'm going to spoil it for you now. Sorry, sorry, guys. But uh, they're very similar. Um, I, I like the, the ability of them to score plenty, uh, to put up loads of points. So if you're based uh, head-to-head points uh, in head-to-head point leagues, I feel they, they, they'll be able to put up points later in their career. So always, obviously, defensemen are last to develop or behind the goalies but I feel like if they're right on the um, if they land on their right team they could put up some points um Mate, was a uh, Pavel Mintyukov he's got uh, 59 points or 58 points in 66 uh, six games with 17 goals and 41 assists um so I feel like if he gets onto the right team um a rebuilding team he might uh, put up some points um whether he he goes straight to the NHL, I doubt it. But someone to stash um, for the long term, and that'll be someone that I'll be targeting. For sure, these guys are players who probably will be drafted by good teams because they'll go late in that first round, take a couple of years to mature. Because guys from the O generally, well, well I guess uh, Matejchuk is in the Western. But uh, in a couple of years, yeah, for sure could be relevant in the National Hockey League. And the last one is more the traditional Barry Baker special because he's uh, it's it's not quite like a KBO prospect in in uh, in Korea because his stats are a little bit better. But Andre Kuzmenko, I've got a 26 year old left winger in the KHL. He's a little fella, a 5'11", not that little, I guess, but a little shorter. Uh, 53 points in 45 games for Ska St. Pete, and he's had 14 points in 16 games in the playoffs. Of course, he's been playing in the KHL for years and ain't the best time for somebody from the KHL, which, by the way, is Russia's professional hockey league and uh, is a little bit more difficult to pry guys out of to come to the NHL than a lot of other international professional leagues. But uh, yeah, it's not a great time to make the jump from a Russian pro hockey league to a North American one. But he has put up some numbers for a very good team in the playoffs. Uh, what interests you about uh, Andre Kuzmenko, and do you think that he will be coming to the NHL? Well, he it's a it's a very high risk, high reward type of situation again with the Russia situation, unfortunately, going on at the moment. So yeah, exactly, time will tell. But he was the focal point in that SKA 
uh, offense. He scored 20 goals and he put up 33 assists, totaling 55 points in 45 games. And he was the go-to man on that team. Uh, there is Twitter buzz about him. So I don't know what, how much that says, but uh, I think the uh, Vancouver Canucks are in talks with him or they're very interested. And so were the Devils, I believe, earlier on in the year. So if if he does come, um, I doubt, I'm not sure if he will be a top six type of player, may possibly bottom six, but um, high end of the bottom six, if you know what I mean. Um, he could put up points, um, depending on what team he lands on and how much usage he gets. Uh, but someone to monitor, he's put up points. Um, he's only 26, like you said. Um, he has put up points in the KHL. He he is the go-to man on that team. And that is a good team as far as I know, right, Jesse? The SKA, the, 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 you know, they compete every year. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it will be interesting to see uh, what happens there. But I feel like there is a chance that he might come over. And if he does, um, someone to pick up on the waiver wire if, if they haven't already. There certainly is precedent for some of these KHL guys coming in mid-career after productive years in Russia and being surprises, especially to the uh, the redraft community. And uh, even yeah, they are kind of wild cards for the pro community because a couple of guys that come over at this age and really uh, put up amazing stats. Uh, I don't know that I've heard Kuzmenko mentioned in that breath, but somebody who could well uh, contribute at a rosterable level or a little bit above average rosterable level if he came in and his skills really played in the National Hockey absolutely, League. Absolutely, absolutely. We're, yeah. we're not talking about Panarin or we're not talking about uh, Kaprizov. Um, he's a, a two levels or three levels below that. But someone to be, yeah, like you said, rosterable probably in the uh, during the year uh, if he does come over and sign, definitely. All right, Barry. Well, that is a nice round, and uh, not many people would be able to give me takes on uh, prospects from four different sports. So I just, I just wanted to make you do that trick uh, for me today. But um, <laughs> are you producing any content out there? Uh, are you just uh, to be found in the wilds of various dynasty leagues, or are there things that people can follow to keep up with you? Um, I dabble in Twitter. Uh, you've got uh, Barry Baker eight is six eight uh, six four uh, <laughs> uh, ha- uh, ha- uh, line. Um, but yeah, you can find me on the the chats of the ITL, the ITL chat. So that's another plug if you want to follow the the deep depths of the <laughs> the lower miners and the KBO and the NBP. Uh, you can catch me there. But uh, yeah, I, I kind of stay stay in the shadows, so to speak. So an eight six four. What is that? A a center fielder oh. to shortstop to second baseman <laughs> double play. Yeah, to pitcher. <laughs> <laughs> to pitcher. Yes. All right. All right. Yeah. Well, um, people should follow Barry. Barry's a great guy, and uh, really thank you for coming on the show today. Oh, it's been a pleasure, Jesse. Hope we can do it again sometime soon. everybody enjoyed that i've enjoyed getting to know barry for years it seems like but this is the first time i've gotten to chat with him by audio that's one of the fun things that comes along with uh, having your own podcast i guess is you get to do things like that so uh, yeah it was a good discussion and barry is a guy who is deep deep in the weeds no matter what sport you're talking about so it's always fun to hang out with somebody who's in this same circle of extremely deep multi-sport dynasty that's out there. It's a it's a family, or we'll make it a family, doggone it. We'll just uh, stake our claim and try to get everybody to come on board. 
Before you go, please follow me. Dynasty Sports Life on Twitter is DYN Sports Life. That's a great place to follow, see when I post new episodes and, uh, you know, occasional hijinks and interactions, although I, I try not to spam people's feeds too awful much. You can also email if you have questions, dynastysportslife at gmail.com. I will respond to some of those. If uh, we get them, I'd be happy to read one off on the show and, and give feedback to people who have it and, uh, you know, constructive uh, comments, you know, just don't say anything bad. <laughs> just, just kidding. If you got ideas, throw them at the show. I love to hear from you folks out there. So that is going to do it for today. We've talked a little bit of everything today. Next week, I think uh, we'll be going back in order. We actually missed baseball this month. We, we had to shuffle some things around. So we'll probably be coming back this time next week to talk a little bit of 2022 baseball. So until then, good luck in all of your dynasty leagues. Thank you.